Today on The Breakdown, we're going to do something that we've never done before on The Breakdown. We're breaking the rules on The Breakdown and mentioning the suggester in the cold open because this guy's been on so much fire. It's changing lives out there, yo. Casper Kwok has been suggesting hands now for a while, and we've noticed that every single one has been amazing. <laughs> and he's once again has suggested this hand that we're going to do. It's from the Party Poker Super High Roller 25K event from February of 2021. Got a very interesting hand, a really cool hand. And it is Casper Quack certified, which these days means something. And I won't have you say it doesn't. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you more about the hand. I'm just going to let you experience it. The beauty, the majesty right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Casper Clock is actually getting a license from the Better Business Bureau for a certification. So yeah, but the business, Better Business Bureau is a piece of shit. No, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's not the, real. Yeah, it's fake. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, yeah, I do know that. But you're just. But Casper Quack is going to do that anyway. <laughs> He's falling for their. They've done a like good job. Yelp. They've done a good they job have. of branding themselves as like this legitimate organization. They really have, but they're fake, lame. They suck. This is the problem. Where do you go? Where do you go if you got a problem? You go to Yelp? That's, I mean, no one trusts Yelp anymore. How many times have you and I been on a poker trip? We're like, let's only go to good restaurants. Yeah. And we go to the four, four and a half star review Yelp, and we're like, this sucks. Yep. Like, this isn't just bad. It's really bad. Well, to be fair to Yelp and Google reviews and all these types of things, the collective doesn't always get it right, but it, it's better than having no data at all. Right? Agreed. Agreed. But you know, like... Surely you know about like Yelp's business practices around this. Oh, stuff, Yelp right? is bad. Yeah, Yelp, Yelp like will say like we'll remove negative reviews if you pay for an ad, and if you don't, we will never remove them. Kind of stuff. And yeah, so the point is everything spiked. All the reviews are, are you can't trust them, but still you're right. It's better than nothing at all. I'm glad Consumer Reports exists. Yeah, which is you know they don't take funding from anybody. It's all subscriber funding. There's no advertising. It's completely actually neutral. Yeah, it's the last bastion of impartiality that we can really like put our throw our arms around in terms of consumer products. Because like, if I go to Amazon and I look at the reviews, oh, I now go to it's websites. A, it's a shit show. Yeah, I go to websites to like say like, are these reviews trustable? And it's always like, well, eighteen percent of them are. We think it's these eighteen percent, and here's the reasons why. And like, it's all just, it's not great. No, it's not great. The, uh, I, I would guess twenty years ago it would be hard to fathom how difficult it would be to parse the, the genuineness and the trustworthiness of, of human reviews of products on the internet. Mm. It's weird how it went that way. Yep. Because you would think like, well, I mean, if it's a good pizza place, then like, sure, even if, even if like the next, the, the pizza place across the street doesn't like it, like, and they give it a bad review, like everyone else will say it's good. So who cares? And it turns out, uh, if it was only that easy. It's just not. It's just not. Nothing. All institutions are, are, are fallible. Although, now this is a little Yelp tip. No, it's not Yelp. It's Google reviews. Google reviews tip. Something that I've noticed, and now this is anecdotal, and it's probably not a big enough sample size, but in my experience back before the pandemic when I was going to restaurants a decent amount, when I would try new restaurants, 
I found that there was a critical threshold where actually the reviews were accurate and it was always good. Mm. And that's if it's over 4.7 with over 20 reviews. Really? Yeah. Always good. For Google. Yeah. But you could get a 4.6 with 100 reviews and it could be garbage or it could be great. <laughs> really? Yeah. I found, I found that to be the that's, case. That's a weird second piece to that. Like, yeah. But okay. That's great to know. And once uh, everything opens back up, which is, you know, looking like it's hopefully around the corner at this point. Yeah. Um, I'll be excited to try that. Try out your methodology, brah. I want some pizza now. I want some everything. I want some like sweet, sweet Asian food now, you know? Some, some like, sweet, like, like sweet some flavored that... or good? No, no, good. I want some of that like South Korean. Like a barbecue thing? Yeah, that yeah. sounds really good. Thai food sounds good? Yeah, all of it really sounds good. I'll just take some beef with broccoli with some oyster sauce. I love oyster sauce. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Why do you look so sheepish? I don't know. Oyster sauce. <laughs> okay, good to know. Thai food, man. We got good Thai food here in Portland. People don't know that, but we do. I think we have exhausted the listeners' uh, interest levels yeah. on the food in Portland. Well, we I only guess. said one thing about But food. still, I feel like we were already pushing it with like, here are Asian food types that we like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. Let's talk about potato chips. No, we already did a potato segment a while back, so... Yeah, we're done with potatoes. We're done with for potatoes. We're going to talk about vegetables, now. <laughs> <laughs> just not potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So carrots. Yeah. All right, Casper Quack. Thanks for the suggestion. Carrots, it is. <laughs> All right, Casper. So you are right that it's more fun to buy the multicolored carrots. It is, but they're a little more inconsistent as far as taste and texture. Wouldn't you think, Casper Quack? <laughs> I mean, come on, buddy. <laughs> Purple carrots, though. Yeah, they're fun. They're more than fun. They stain your clothes. They're a lifestyle. They can stain your clothes. They're like basically beets. a brand. Purple carrots are a brand? Yeah. They're a lifestyle brand. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to wear shirts. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you no, know, wearing shirts is definitely a cool thing to I, talk about. <laughs> I mean, purple carrot shirts. Oh, okay. Carrots that is some, somehow it's related. You know, like I dress my life based on purple carrot. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first podcast of the day, somehow. <laughs> what has happened? What is happening? I don't know. Wasn't this... Oh, as always, I worry for the new listener the most. This one is particularly <laughs> odd. Like, the... Because we're edging on mundane with a lot of this stuff, and normally yeah. we don't. Normally, no, usually, it's usually interesting. It's just way off topic, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we just get to the hand this time. All right, all right. We'll just do poker this time, I guess. Jeez. Fine, fine. All right. So this is a 25K online buy-in, so it's legit, uh, as evidenced by Justin Bonomo and Jason Kuhn still remaining with six left at this final table. Showy. Yeah, they're not going to play the hand, but they are oh. here. By the way, 25K buy-in, sixth place is 90K. You're not even getting four buy-ins. First place is 525, so huge difference. Even then, you know, it's, it's only 21 buy-ins. That's a pretty good one is 25K buy-in, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's still not terrible. You're I mean, right. it's probably a smallish field. I assume so. Yeah, I would guess they paid nine, maybe eight. Yeah, probably. Based on six being if, nine yeah, K. six being four buy-ins or four and a half buy-ins or whatever means it less. Sorry, yeah. less, less three and a half buy-ins. Yeah, it's can't can't pay nine. Probably eight. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, maybe, maybe you can pay nine. Anyway, who cares? We've got some uh, some names in here that are going to be difficult for our American brains to pronounce, but we're going to try our best because uh, it's going to fold to the small blind. Whose name? His last name is definitely Laszlo. His first name is spelled B U J T A S, and the commentators, including Ike Haxton in this thing, never said his first name. So I don't have like a sense of of how to say that. So I'm just going to call him Laszlo. I think that's great. Yeah. 
Laszlo's got 12.9 million at the 200K big blind level. Okay. So he's doing pretty well. He's going to limp nine of hearts, seven of spades in the small blind. Fine. So he's got 65 blinds yes. and he's limping. Okay. Alexei Ponikov, a name that we actually debated a while ago on our podcast because mm. there's a J in there. Yep. Um, he seems to be probably like an online killer. We've, we've seen him at three of these big final tables since the pandemic began. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least one of those times he made a really good play, I think. Probably. I yeah. can't remember. It's all a It's been blur. a lot of pandemic hands. Yeah. Uh, he's got 51 blinds with 10.2 million. By the way, Laszlo, we think is pretty good. He's got, what, 2.4 million in live earnings? Uh, he does, yes. I think he's the guy who also finished uh, second in the World Series of Poker Europe in 2018, right? Okay. Main event. Yeah. So, yeah, they both have similar uh, earnings, though. They both have a, a little over $2 million li- in live earnings. So we're going we're gonna to operate under the assumption that they're pretty good. Sure. Uh, they're playing the 25K. Yeah. We don't think they're some of the rich guy people right. playing. We think they're actually like the earned their way to the 25K yeah. people. Hey, quick question. Do any of the other uh, stacks at the table... Are any of them particularly short? I'm just wondering if that's going to ever... I'll tell you. Because that, that sometimes factors into these things. The shortest stack is Jason Kuhn with 5 million. So no, not really. He's got 20, okay. 25 bigs. Great. Bonomo. So pretty deep. There's a, there's a player with 17.5 million. Bonomo's got 14 million. The other player is 10 million. Okay. So everybody's pretty deep, except for Kuhn. Sounds great. All right. Check from Ponikov with queen three off. Queen of spades, three of hearts. We Fine. have no problem with anybody's preflop play, do we? Nope. Okay, 550K in the pot. The flop is queen of diamonds, nine of spades, six of spades. Again, Ponikov has queen three for top pair, and Laszlo has nine seven for middle pair. What is your typical approach out of position when you're Laszlo and you flop middle pair in a situation like this? Um, I think this is a... I think it's fine to check. I think it's fine to bet like one blind. I think, I think a mixed strategy of, of those two is pretty reasonable here. Um, I don't think we always want to check a hand as strong as middle pair in a blind versus blind hand, especially that's one that is relatively vulnerable. You know, there's a million draws on this board already. There's a million straight draws. There's spades. Um, There's a lot of overcards, of course, that can come that could hit our opponents. We have the seven of spades in our hand, which is not the worst card to have, considering there's straight draws and flush draws all, you know, backdoor, uh, but as well. I think a lot of the time I would bet one blind here, and a lot of time I would check with the intention of calling. Yeah. Uh, if you're against elite competition, how do, yeah. you, how do you deal with it? Because like I've said in this podcast often, we're not often against the Alexei Ponikovs of the world, and we make a lot of exploitative decisions here. Like there's a lot of players that either I know or I'll profile and be like, okay, this is a guy I check against and like call all three streets, or this is a guy I check against and I will f- actually check fold on this board sometimes because he is so crazy tight, or mm. this is a guy I have to bet against because... I need to charge him because of different factors. Like, but that's not the case with an Alexei Ponikov. So, okay, good question. So I think for me anyway, what I'm thinking about is how many hands am I betting here that are not made hands? So I'm going to have a lot of draws I'm probably going to bet. Yeah. Like a lot of gut shots specifically, like, like open enders even, which of course I'll have as well. Um, spade draws. Don't you want to bet your spade draws that have no showdown value? Sure. Like, there's a lot of things we want to bet, but like the spade draws can handle the heat. Even the open enders can handle some heat, but like the gut shots can't handle any heat, right? Yeah. So the gut shots feel like more, they're not pure bluffs, but they are like edging towards like just straight up. Like, I really hope, I really hope you fold. Like, even if you're open ended, it's not that big a deal if you get called, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you have, you've got reasonable equity here. You're like, get there a third of the time, plus you could hit your pair and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so because this is a pretty draw heavy board, also our opponent's going to have a lot of draws as well. 
I think I'm going to be betting a fair amount on this board um, when I have any kind of a draw. Okay, so that means you want to bet your nine? I think I want to bet my nine because I've just got to balance with some made hands, and the nine is just too good for me not to be balancing, at least a bunch of the time. Of course, I'm going to check this sometimes too, but I like. I think mostly I'm going to bet against the league competition here because of that. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Also, I think having the seven of spades makes me want to bet more. Makes it less likely I'm going to get semi-bluffed with a race because we remove a lot of his spade draws and straight draws and combo draws. Yeah. Uh, so we can, we can bet and fold more confidently because we are less likely to be against a big draw mm-hmm. of some type. So that makes me want to bet this particular 9-7 combo. Yep. Also, I mean, we're going to bet really small, right? There's like nothing we in there. bet one blind, yeah. Right. So we, I don't know if we can actually just bet fold against elite competition. Maybe here. not. I mean, if he makes it 800K over our, our 200K, do we really want to open that can of worms? Maybe. I, guess I, think, we, I think we can't just fold. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. We call, we call the fold most turns unless we improve in some clear way. You know? Yeah. We can turn an open ender. We can turn two pair of trips. We can turn a spade draw, which we won't feel great about. But no. that's often going to go check, check anyway if a spade comes. Um, I think we can't just fold the hand as good as 9-7 in a blind versus blind against elite competition specifically. Against any kind of tight player, of course we can fold. Easily, comfortably, never think about it. You know what I mean? We could actually probably, like you said, we could sometimes check fold against certain very tight competition even. But against, against the guy who's really good, there's no way we can just bet fold for one, where we bet one blind and he makes it four blinds. I just don't think that's reasonable. Yeah, that's probably true. Maybe that's why Laszlo decides to check. Okay. He doesn't want to deal with that scenario. Sure. Ponikov has top pair no kicker with his queen three on the queen nine six two spade board. Better check. Feels like a very straightforward bet to me. Not to Alexi. What? Alexi checks it back. Why? Why? One reason could be that Laszlo has shown a proclivity to bluff yeah. and shown the red flag of the matador. <laughs> yes. Meaning what? Meaning that if Ponikov checks, he expects Laszlo to bet twice a lot of the time, and Ponikov can just go call, call. But weren't you making it sound like Laszlo would be showing the red flag of the Matador? Well, Ponikov is now also showing the red flag. Oh, okay. He's showing the red flag. He's saying, like, go ahead, charge through, bull. Yeah. I will swiftly move away, and you will fall into my trap. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, that is a really good reason to check back, is we don't have a good kicker, and, but more than that, we, um, we can really induce potentially two streets, yeah. which would be cool. Obviously, we don't want to get check raised. This is a similar spot, though, where if we were to bet and get check raised, I don't think we can fold. No. Maybe down the line we can, but certainly not on the flop. Um, that's not, it's not unreasonable, but we need to have someone who's going who's gonna to bluff a fair amount. Right. Because this is a relatively wet board where a lot of, a lot of times someone's going to make a straight... There, there's straights that are going to come in on the turn, and we're not going to know where we're at a lot of the time, right? It's possible that on this board texture, mm-hmm. Ponikov believes that... Had Laszlo hit either bottom or middle pair, he would have bet because of the wetness of the board. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's unlikely for Ponikov to be able to get called here, and he wants to just rather give Laszlo the opportunity to bet in, on future streets. He very well may believe that. We can see for sure that that is not true. Yes, we, yes, we can. So then that would just be an incorrect assumption, which, of course, happens a lot in poker. Right. I, I'm just trying to think of why, because otherwise I, 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 I feel like betting is clearly the play. I mean, if I get checked to on this board and I don't have anything at all, Sometimes I'll check, but sometimes I'll bet. If I have any kind of a draw, I'll probably bet. If I have any kind of pair, I'll usually bet. So top pair is like, wow, that's a really good hand, blind versus blind in this spot. You know, yeah. like I would be looking to start to build a pot, extract value, slash um, charge any draws or, you know, over cards or whatever else. So I think it's two kind of surprising checks by these guys. Yeah. 
I think the second one's more surprising than the first, but they're both surprising to me. Yeah. All right. So queen, nine, six, two spades, queen of diamonds on there. Mm-hmm. Turn is the five of clubs. So now we've got a gut shot for Laszlo to go along with his middle pair with nine, seven. Sure. Board now reads queen, nine, six, five. Okay. Two spades still. Yeah. You betting now is Laszlo? Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I think I should have bet last time. I definitely think now I've got a gutter. If the eight comes in and I actually make my straight, harder to get action. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe I can induce bluffs and all that, but like, don't we want to build a pot up if there's going to be a bluff later? Yeah. Like, my nine is more likely to be good now, you know, meaning like it went, we got a check out of my opponent and an undercard came. It just doesn't feel like there's much to be afraid of. I absolutely want to bet. Yeah. Also want to kind of protect at this point against the king deuces of the world. Like we don't mind just folding those out and taking the pot. Sure. It's like, I would expect usually if I bet, I'm just going to take the pot and it's fine. Yeah. Interesting choice here from Laszlo is the sizing because he bets 412 K into 550. Feels big for a flop that went check, check. I know it's a wet board at this point. What do you think about the sizing? I'm a little surprised by it. It feels a little big to me, too. Um, I can understand betting more than a blind on the turn. Yeah. Um, because that's just what everyone does now. Everyone sizes up the turn. It feels like he's sizing up the turn because that's, you size up the turn. That's you know? usually after you bet the flop, though, and bet small. In the flop. Yes. Usually you're cleaning up the equity, and now you're really charging yeah. all the non-premium hands, basically, to continue. Right, but it went turn. check, check on the flop, so it's right. not exactly that scenario. That's why I'm confused by it. Yeah. Um, I would think I would have expected a bet of like 250K on the turn, something yeah. like that, May, and maybe as low as 200, maybe literally one blind again. I think it's totally reasonable to do that. I think that's probably what I would have defaulted to, especially online. Just click that bet button, you know, yeah. just a one blind, you know, it's blind versus blind. Take a little stab here. Maybe uh, what's happening is Laszlo now is like, well, I mean, I always have the best hand, which he doesn't, but he might, he might think like, it's kind of like really, it'd be really weird I mean, for he, me not to have the best hand. He very frequently has the best yeah. hand. Um, I also, of course, have outs against everything, if somehow I don't. And uh, either I'm getting a fold for one... If I bet one blind, I'm getting a fold. Or if I bet 412K, I'm getting a fold. Either way. And anything that's calling... One blind is calling 412, I might as well get more value. because I always So don't. if Ponikov turned to five or checked back a six or something like that? Yeah, that's, that's my best guess anyway. Maybe even Ponikov. And maybe also he's trying to charge some of the... No, I mean, I would just think like we're not up against like draws that we have to worry about not too frequently, but these guys are probably going to be pretty balanced. Yes. They're playing at the highest level of, You're tur- right. of tournaments. You're right. And they're probably trying to play as close to solver as possible, especially considering it's online. Mm-hmm. They might even be using solvers while they play. Who knows? You know, RTA baby. Yeah. Uh, we don't think they're actually doing that. No, that's a strong accusation. We How didn't. dare you? Don't mean it. We don't mean it. Um, but that is a problem. Of course, with all this online stuff these days, right? Yeah. Yeah, online poker has serious existential threats from technology. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, you know, that might be true of live poker soon as well with, like, Apple glasses and stuff like that. I mean, the Mike Postles of the world are like, forget the future, baby. Yeah. Well, I'm already rich. Okay, well, you had to do a pretty complex, but, like... Yeah. I, maybe you haven't heard, but, like, uh, remember, failed Google Glass happened five or mm-hmm. six years ago. Sure. Apple is going to now try their thing, which, you know, maybe now it's time. They seem to time the market better than anybody else. Maybe yeah, they're right. They do. Um not not to cheat necessarily, but like you could run a real time solver, perhaps. Just hmm. like it, the glasses could read the cards that you have and tell you what to do in which position. Wow, like, jeez, that that that's an existential threat to live poker. That's a good point. That's messed up. Yeah, like what do you do? You ban glasses at the table. How do you deal with it? I mean, you ban technology enhanced glasses at the table. You could do yeah, that. You can You could people, and then it would be officially cheating, even if it's not like yes. you're actually 
doing cheats. You're just using a solver, mm-hmm. which is kind of cheating. Oh, it's it would it's be cheating. cheating. Yeah. I mean, right now, like the computing takes too long for like solvers to work in any really useful way. For right. this kind of stuff I, against elite competition, but against like normal competition. You don't need that heavy, heavy computing stuff. No. Like, there's lots of things. I mean, that's why RTA exists right now, right? Yeah. I mean, also, you could have, like, all the preflop charts that you could just look at if you had Apple glasses yeah. right in front of your eyes. Um, and you could even have it randomized for you, probably. You could probably solve for all that stuff ahead of time, like, program it very easily, I would mm-hmm. think. This is going to happen now that yeah. we're talking about it. So they're going to have to find ways to not allow any of that shit. Yeah. So it's got to be, like, analog glasses or nothing. It's like, just going to have to be. Like, you have to scan the glasses for chips when you enter? Well, for a while, it will be obvious what is and what isn't. Yeah, it'll have a little glass. Apple on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like, and it'll just be like, the technology will be, will be obvious, but but at some point, it won't be. Right? Uh, not with Apple. Apparently, like the Apple Glass prototype designs are like they just look like normal glasses. Really, they don't have any actual computing generational power. They have to be connected to a phone to do anything. But they're like they look like normal glasses. I wonder if you're like standing behind someone as you walk by, if you can see like the little, like oh, little like um, lights and stuff like that. Cause you can, then, then someone wouldn't be able to get away with it. If, right. if they were outlawed at the table, yeah. which is the only way you could do it. They'd have to be outlawed. Yeah. Right. And then the thing would be like, if you are found, if like anyone even sees that, like you're wearing anything that's doing that, like you abandon your chips, like you can't get your chips back. Yep. Like if you're in a cash game or a tournament, like you're out, you never can come back. Like I could see that working pretty well, yeah. at least for a while. Yeah. Eventually, until, eventually until, that's going to be a problem. Well, what, what about one's contacts? Because that's for sure coming. Yeah, contacts are going to be a real issue. Yeah. Um, then they're going to have to have like little like machines that can you know detect it. Like that's, yeah. that's what they're going to have to come down to. I mean, it's going to get weird. It but is that, a, that's a ways off. Stuff. It is a ways off. The contacts is probably at least 10 years away, maybe 15. Certainly five. Yeah. Hopefully more like 10 or 15. But that's going to be an existential threat for all gambling. But poker has I mean, a major issue. It'd be pretty crazy if you were wearing contacts and you looked around the table and you get everyone's like um, heart rate. A, well, HUD. Forget oh. about heart rate. Like oh, you can yeah. get their their preflop raise percentage, their went to showdown percentage, just like above their heads. I mean, you know? you'd have to. The technology would have to advance quite a bit further for that, unless you were manually yeah. inputting that information. Oh no, that would. I'm assuming the technology would be able to do this for you. Like it would be paying attention and mm. tracking that. Yeah, that that's like at least 15 years away. It yeah, feels like that for sure is. But like, wouldn't that be insane? Like, yeah. So you get all this stuff. I mean, maybe you get more, maybe you get heart rate information, yeah. like you're saying, like, you know, and it's like looking at the neck and it, and it can tell you what, what the heart rate is it's, or guess what the heart rate is versus what it's been, you know, mm-hmm. at other times. And you get real, like all that's in play. Yeah. But not for a while. Not like, for a while. Thankfully, not for a while. But like, it sounds like poker's going to get completely destroyed now that we're talking like this. You the know, thing like, is that all of the major outlets will definitely ban this stuff. Yes. It'll just be the enforcement of it. And most people will will be cool with the ban and be like... Oh, everyone will be cool yeah, with the ban. Yeah, because like some people will try to get by it, mm-hmm. but a lot of them will get caught probably. I assume, I assume they're going to get caught. Yeah, so, so it'll actually be okay. It's yeah. not a true existential threat to live poker. Yeah. Online poker is a different story though. Yep. I, I've been worried for years about the integrity of online poker. Sure. Yeah. I think that's really fair. And yeah. the fact that we don't... I, I think we probably don't talk about it enough in the poker industry is like the consistent potential gaming of online poker that could be being done that we just don't talk about. Mm-hmm. But like, it's really easy if like, and I am not accusing anyone of this. No, of course. Like, but like at this final table, there's six guys left. If two of them are friends, if Jason Kuhn is friend with someone, and I just, I'm just taking Jason Kuhn's name out of a hat because I can pronounce it easily. Yeah. To be fair, I can't pronounce some of these other names, but like, it'd be super easy for them to call each other up and be literally talking on the phone the entire time and no one would ever know, right? Most people actually have enough integrity to not do this stuff, though. Well, it's easy to say that. Yeah. But 
I think it goes the other way too, which is once you do it once, it's really easy to keep doing it. And it's, it's easier to have integrity around this stuff when no one's aware of it, no one's talking about it, no one's getting caught. That's different than no one's doing it. I mean, I think, I think we just have to be aware as a community that online poker is a different game than live poker. And yep. that's part of it. Like, I don't think this is an admission of guilt when I say, like, back when I lived with our friend Robert Brewer, we'd be playing poker next to each other, and sometimes he would ask me advice on a hand that yeah. was happening, or I would ask him advice. That's just what people do. Of course. Like, of course I you know. can't do that in live poker. Right. Like, if, if you do it in live poker, it's fucking... The, the floor is called. It's a huge deal, right? You can't be like, hey, Jonathan, come over and what, what should I do? This guy just raised me. Check out my hand. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like people who have roommates and play online poker, of course, do that, right? Like, yes. Now, I, I will say that, boy, we've really gone a ways off here, but yeah. it's cool. Um, it's a li- it feels a little different to me if you're asking your college roommate what he thinks, because like, who gives a fuck what he thinks versus well, yeah. you're, you're, you're consulting with an expert, you're consulting with a pro, you're con- you know what I mean, which, which is also very doable these days in theory. And in fact, things like this in the past have happened. Where to, like, be, to be fair, at the time, I was a pro and he was a semi-pro. Okay. All right. Yeah. But you guys were at least of similar skill set. Yeah. And that's, that doesn't excuse it. I'm not saying you did like a terrible thing. Right. I, I, I'm sure everyone's done it at some point in their lives, you know. Um, but like, but you know, in the past there was the one where the guy got to like the final table and then like gave someone, gave some like heads up, not heads up, sorry, gave some like hyper impressive pro, like 50, like 30% of whatever they want from then on to like play the rest of the final table and the pro won it. And that happened like, online. Oh yeah. I that, this is, that. this is like seven, eight years ago. I, I don't remember the names anymore, but this absolutely happened. It was a big deal. Um, got out. But how many times did that happen before it got out? How many yeah. times has it happened since, by the way? Could happen a lot. There could be there could absolutely be guys who are really good at final tables and have played everything out a million times and are pros and are great at this game. And like they sit around and they've got their, you know, 30 clients or 40 clients yeah. who play the Sundays. And like anytime someone makes a final table, you just, you just swap in. And it's like really easy to do. Well, there's a version of the Bill Perkins, Dan Smith thing, right? Right. It is. Yeah. Exactly. Which made Mike Possel look like nothing. <laughs> Oh, Bill Perkins. Yeah, he was so wrong about how he people... Just, people he, just, he really thought people were going to receive that differently. He than gets they did. very... Ex- he's very excitable, yes. that guy, as it turns out. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen him on TV, you know that that is accurate. Yes. I wouldn't have known he was that as excitable as, like, saying the things that he said about, you know, like, this is going to blow the Mike like Possel story was, like, out of the, the water. Mike Possel was the most fascinating thing that maybe has yes. ever happened in poker. Yeah, and maybe. Like, that, that was just, like, another mundane story about online poker. Like, cool, a billionaire lost money to a pro again. Yeah. Like, a <laughs> big deal. Yeah. Anyway... Anyway, here uh, we are. Where were we in this hand? Laszlo has bet 412K on the turn. Okay. On the queen, nine, six, five board. He's got nine, seven. It went check, check on the flop. We were debating the sizing thing. It seemed right. big. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it seems big. But maybe like I was saying, if he thinks he's, he thinks he's either folding, maybe he thinks it's pretty binary. And it probably is a pretty binary decision from, for uh, Alexei at this point, for Ponikov, where... Either he's calling or he isn't. And if he's calling, since we're almost always ahead as Laszlo, even though we're not this time, but we, we assume we're almost always, always, always ahead here, sizing it up can't be that bad. No. So actually, as we're talking, and this part of it, I kind of like sizing it up more than I would have. I think, I think a bigger size is probably better if it's almost always a, just a you know, red pill, green pill type of spot here for Ponikov. It also makes it easier to check, to bet fold if somehow we get raised. I know we have a huh. gut shot, but like if Ponikov now makes it 1.2 million, are we really continuing? I guess we could, but like we bet big on the turn. Yeah, I don't know if we are or not. Um, I think it's it happens so rarely that we get raised on the turn that 
not saying we shouldn't plan for it, but like we don't have to put too much into that either. Like, well, I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, because we don't usually see a line like this where Leslo checks the flop and then bets this big on the turn, especially this kind of a turn. Right? Yeah, where it doesn't seem to matter. Like, what, what do you actually do if an elite player raises? Not even a, let's not say one of the best online players in the world. Let's say you and I and a bunch of our friends are playing a sit and go, and it's for money that we actually care about. We're not we're not doing our normal sure. buy in of like what it am I doing? Fucking matter. Like it's a five hundred dollar buy in. Right? I think the answer is I bet fold. Yeah, um, because I'm just thinking about our friends. Obviously, they do have some bluffs in them, but they're mostly going to have it. Like they're mostly going to have five six here. I it's think. me. It's me. Okay, I raised you. Probably even you. I'm probably still going to fold. Yeah, um, I just think I'm probably losing too much of the time, and I can't call very many river big big bets on the river. I've got better hands that I can call with on the river here. You know that I can call this raise with, and then call a river big bet with. Right. This this has some equity, which sort of sucks to have to give up, but it's just a gut shot. And my nine is like I assume you either you turn you have like three four. Yeah, and you're deciding to raise. The like, story is kind of thin because it's mostly three four or five six. Or maybe four eight, four eight five six. I guess you could have had a, a big draw on the flop and checked back with the intention of raising the turn. Sometimes, if I know you're doing this with any regularity, I'm not folding when I bet here. You know what I mean? I'm probably betting less and not folding. Honestly, if I know you're going to raise me a lot, but you don't raise me a lot in these spots. Like you raise you raise enough that you have bluffs, but you don't raise me a lot. lot yeah. Lot. Um, how, how much does it change the equation if you bet one blind and then you get raised? I think I have to call a lot more. Yeah. First of all, it's easier to call because it's going to be a lot cheaper. But second of all, it just looks like it's so easy to push me off. Like yeah. my story is now like, are you going to fold? You know, like I could really not have it in the mm-hmm. same way. Uh, when I bet 412 into 550, I'm, I'm saying something a little, the conversation feels different. Whether that's fair or not, that feels like the way, practically that's how it works, yeah. right? You're going to be less, it's more expensive for you to raise me as a bluff. So I figure you're going to be less inclined to do it than if I make it 200K and you make it 550. Like, I just feel like I have to call with this hand with, for 550 or 600 or whatever. If it's, a, if it's a thing that Leslo had been thinking about, I wonder if this is kind of a brilliant strategy, like betting this much with a vulnerable hand that could fold easily to a raise because we bet this much, mm-hmm. and maybe betting smaller if we have a really a, a much better hand. To induce? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, against, against elite competition, of course, we're going to have to mix it up. Right. But it's a pretty interesting uh, thing to be thinking about and trying to do. I will say that against... Against the elite competition, a lot of times a smaller bet is sometimes better because they just can't help themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so like give them it like when you bet this much, it like they they pump the brakes a lot on whatever their plans are. I know I do. Um, I know you do. Yeah. I know and I know lots of guys do um, who are pros. So I would expect that's true um, for even the elite guys to, to some degree. Right. They've all come up. They've all lived this life, too. Well, speaking of those guys. Ponikov has queen three on this board. Yeah. Can't really do anything but call. Right. Like raising feels just strange i don't know why we would raise i don't know why we would fold it feels like we call and we think we're mostly ahead and we're going to call almost all rivers and hope we're good that's the plan if we haven't seen this type of line with this type of sizing we might be a little concerned but that doesn't matter we have too good of a hand we checked back Mm -hmm. you know we just have to oh my god so straightforward what else has to be done because alexi does call oh okay is using the link in the description when we sign up for nitrogen sports yeah it's, it's a cool place. It's a very cool place, Grant. They have poker. They have casino games. They have sports betting. You know, the uh, NBA All-Star break ended uh, just last week. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to get back on that NBA horse. Yeah, ride it. <laughs> ride it good. Sure. Th- yeah, that's, that's stuck in my head now. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> so anyway, you, you, want, you want to bet in the NBA? Do it on nitrogen. Yeah. 
You want to gamble, just casino gamble? Do it on nitrogen. One of the things I really like about nitrogen is they have, uh, you can bet a lot if you want to. Like, you can bet thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars if you choose. You don't have to. You can bet very small amounts too, but they, they take a lot of action. So I, I appreciate that about them. That, yeah. like, there's, there's, the only times they cap anything is on more exotic type stuff, like, you know. Who's going to win the you know the Eastern Division or something? The they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me bet more than a Bitcoin on if Nicolas Cage would win the presidency in twenty twenty four. Only one Bitcoin. Yeah. What uh, kind of odds did you get? I got four and a half to one. Wow. Yeah. Well, so I, I assume you did it. Cage twenty twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I, the thing that's messed up for them is now you're going to be working pretty hard to get Nick Cage elected, which and you've got this platform. I already bought him a nice jacket. That's a good start right yeah, there because I was worried about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's like got sparkles on it. So it's like mm-hmm. it works for his brand. Yeah. You know, it's like a sparkly <laughs> Nick Cage president. You know, he's going to be wearing sunglasses the whole time. <laughs> Listen, if we had a reality TV show, I'm ready. We've had actually a movie actor in the past too. Ronald Reagan was like the Nick Cage of his time. Arnold sort of. Schwarzenegger was the governor of California and might have made a run at the presidency if he was born in the U.S. Yeah, I think he probably would have won the presidency, yeah. quite frankly, if he was born in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so why not Nick Cage? Lots of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he just got married again. He fifth, did. His fifth marriage. Congratulations yeah. to the happy couple. Yeah. And the future president and first lady, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> and Why his, not? His wife. Why not? Anyway, that's the type of thing that you can't bet on nitrogen. I lied about that. Oh. I can't just... Devastating. This. But, you know, it's fun to dream. <laughs> it's fun to dream about betting on Nick Cage to win the presidency. But you can bet on, you know, things that actually exist on the, uh, tons of sports betting. Of course, there's poker as well, including our monthly tournament, which is the best iterated value in poker. We've been saying that for a while. I've always felt like it's probably true, but I'm not sure. I feel like almost 100% sure it's true at this point. That is actually like in the poker world that's available to the public, the best iterated value. Would you agree? Well, I mean, it used to be when Bitcoin was at like $10,000 and they're giving out 100, they were guaranteeing 100 millibits. Yeah. By the way, they're still guaranteeing the same 100 millibits. That meant they were usually, they were going to put into the price pool somewhere between seven and $800 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. So they're still guaranteeing 100 millibits, but Bitcoin is now at like 56,000 or 57,000, depending on the moment which means they're now putting in thousands of dollars. They're putting in like $4,000 into the prize pool, guaranteed, because they cap the... I mean, it's 1,000 buy-ins, and they cap the, uh, the player pool at 300 players, and we usually get like 180, 200 players. It's a super sick spot that they continue to give away all this money. I think we can actually say it's the best yeah. iterated value in poker as far as like your actual expected ROI yeah. on your investment into this tournament. It co- yeah, it costs a tenth of a millibit, which these is like $5.50, and it's basically impossible not to, to get unbelievable value. Right. I mean, you may not cash. You still, have, you still have the same chance to cash yes. that you would in any other 180 player field or whatever, but the expected value is just so much higher. You make because so much more money whenever you do cash. Yeah. It's a sick, sick spot. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it really and is. If you somehow haven't been playing this tournament, you're, you really need to get your act together. It's once, it's once a month. It's one Sunday a month. I need it to takes play like it. two hours. I missed it last month. I have a three-month-old daughter. I think that's my excuse here. But still, I feel like, can I really miss out on all this expected value to feed this fucking I thing? I don't know why. I don't know if I should do that. Can she not like be left alone Doesn't for like two hours? Doesn't she want to go to college? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to play this they thing. They pay you in Bitcoin, by the way. If you just hold whatever you win in Bitcoin... By the time she goes to college, it might pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. There's a world. There's a world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, damn, it is truly like such a good value. It's super sick. Um, I forgot to play it last uh, 
the, at the end of February because I don't even know what I was doing with my life. I, you I, I alone real, in an apartment. Yeah, I was. I like realized it like an hour. Later, I was like, oh, I played it the month before, and I, I my plan is now to play it from here on out because why wouldn't I want to take that sweet sweet kish? Yeah, obviously cash money. Nitrogen. Also, if you do hit something, they pay you out fast. No bullshit. Withdrawal time ninety minutes on that Bitcoin. That's industry leading. Yeah. I don't know why everybody can't do it because. They can. The answer is they can, and they just don't. They choose not to. For some reason that we don't really know, but it seems wrong. It feels very wrong. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, you know, I don't know if we talked about this or not anymore. This ad's been going on for so long. But uh, but it's a good ad. You have to use the, the link in the description of this podcast yeah, when you sign up for Nitrogen. Otherwise, you can't even play in this tournament. Yeah, maybe I didn't say that. I don't know if you did or not, but I'm saying it again. Anyway, use the link. Okay, got Back it. to the hand. Yes. All right. So after the bet and call on the turn, the pot is 1.375 million. Okay. The river is the ace of diamonds. The board now reads queen of diamonds, nine of spades, six of spades, five of clubs, ace of diamonds. Sure. Usually in traditional poker thought, you'd think with your queen or your nine, ah, shit, that's a bad card. But really, in a limp pot, blind versus blind, the way this hand's gone, it's usually not going to factor into the hand, right? Correct. I mean, as uh, Laszlo with our nine, seven here, if we were good on the turn, we're almost always still good. And uh, and our nine is often, like, I would think, remember I was saying on the turn, like, we're, all, we're like, we have to believe we're good, like, almost always. So, like, 90-some-odd percent of the time. I would still feel like, just we just drop a few percentage points off. Like, okay, we're so still is, in the 90s here. Under right. the assumption that we're good most of the time, is it a better play to bet or to check? Like, are we betting? Cause, do, like, do we think it's more likely to get called by a worse hand or to get a misdraw to bluff, basically? I, th- I think we're more likely to get called by a worse hand. I like betting. You think uh, a misdraw will just check back? No. I think there aren't as many misdraws because they would have bet a lot of the flop. Mm. Um, they might have raised the turn sometimes. Uh, so mostly fives, then, you're thinking? Because, fives and sixes. Well, sixes are kind of in the same category as misdraws where you'd expect them to bet the flop a fair amount. Yeah, but they can check back to try and induce, right? They That's, can, but they're extremely vulnerable on this board. Sure, but like this is a play a lot of players make in these yeah. spots where they just check back bottom pair, yeah. try and keep the pot really tiny, go call call a lot of the time, and like see if they're good. You know, get to show down really cheap. I want to make sure I get value out of that six because if it goes, if we check a six, might just check back. It's probably checking back. Might, maybe a good six is going to bet for value, try and get value out of a five and and a worse six, but. That's it. I know Jonathan loves you so well. When I was thinking of that question, I was just like, I know exactly what Jonathan's going to say. He's going to say all of these things. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you're mostly right. Yes, I agree. What, what part do you think I'm wrong about? Oh, you're not wrong. It's oh, just, okay. Is, is uh, subjective assumptions about frequencies that like you may mm. or may not be right about as far as how often certain hands are going to bet the flop and how often they're going to be here on the river and sure. be betting or be bluffing or whatever. That's fair. Yeah. Um, do you not think, though, that like most of the time the weak draws and the strong draws are going to bet the flop if we check. Most of the time, yeah, yeah, I would think that. I agree with you. Certainly once in a while, there's going to be a draw where we're going to bet and it's just going to fold. And had we checked, they would have bluffed. Yeah. But I just don't think that captures... I'm too worried about all the hands that we're beating just checking back that are made hands. And do we expect a five or a six to call us that frequently? Well, the ace shouldn't matter that much, right? The ace isn't a brick, but it's not... It's not like a very relevant card either. Of course, we could have limped with an ace in our hand, bet yeah. the turn, and, and have gotten there. Um, we have it more than, uh, than Ponikov has. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Not a lot more, but definitely a little bit more. Um, but like, I think a five or... I mean, it's a pretty draw-heavy board, and especially a six may just feel like it has to call. Maybe. Yeah. 
Leslow agrees with you, and I think he's sizing it to try to get called by a hand like a six or a five. That's 453K. Yeah. Can't blame him. Yeah. If you have a six, you may be like, is he, is he block betting with a five? Or like, am I chopping sometimes with a six? Am I, if I have a good kicker, am I winning sometimes against a six? Maybe. Maybe. You know, maybe he's trying to get, maybe he's got a missed draw or nothing at all. He's trying to fold out my draws that missed, which I don't have that many of, but I have a little bit of. You might feel obligated to call with a six. I think I would probably feel obligated to. I agree. Getting a pretty good price. Let's get to the interesting stuff. Cool. Okay, so we did a hand probably four years ago uh, featuring Sam Trickett. I believe it was against Jason Mercier. Don't remember it was. Okay. Where we were very strongly sure that a bet that he was making, it was kind of a thin bet either way. Mm -hmm. We were sure it was a bluff. And we were wrong. We were wrong. He told us. He told us we were wrong. We made a big video apology to like retract our statement. Not not an apology, but like a... Acknowledgement. Admission. Admission that we were wrong despite how strongly we had said that it was... Correct. That it was a bluff. I feel like we're once again in this scenario Mm. where we may come down hard on one side or the other of what's about to happen and we may be totally wrong. (laughs) Cool. Because I don't really get it either way. Great. Because Alexi raises his queen three to 1.387 million. This is fucking fascinating to me. Queen nine, six, five, ace. Big bet on the turn. About the same size as the turn bet on the river. He's raising the queen three. I know what your answer is going to be, but is it value or is it a bluff with queen three? Well, let's find out if you're correct when you say you know what my answer is going to be. I do think I I have an answer. Yeah. My answer is that it's value. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't see how it could be a bluff. Um, I think what's going on, I think Ike Haxon actually says this uh, on the broadcast too, is that he's attacking the sizing. Not attacking it like... um, like trying to get him to fold. Right, but attacking it more like, oh, if you had rivered the ace, you are just going to bet more most of the time here. Um, so, and like, you just don't have very many queens. So like, you just have all these other hands and like sometimes a nine, sometimes a six, sometimes a five. Um, but you just don't have very strong value when you bet this small and I want to get more value out of it. And maybe you're going to feel obligated to call because I missed my draw. Yeah. I mean, I, it is thin as hell. It is super thin, but I tend to agree with you. And I think I can see the thought process. When, when Laszlo checks the flop and bets the turn, and Alexi blocks the queen, obviously, Alexi's not putting Laszlo on too many queens, which are candidates to bet call this river, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Alexi also checked the flop, and he's aware that Laszlo saw that. And he's thinking, okay, what hands am I saying I have when I raise? Doesn't this look sketchy? Doesn't this look kind of like a misdraw? Like, what do I have? I have ace nine, I guess. Maybe I would check ace nine, check back the flop. Ace five. Ace five, maybe. Hand like that. Yeah. Those are like the value hands that make sense. So let's expand that value range because I don't think this guy has better than a queen. It doesn't seem like it based on how we played out. So why don't we make it look like I'm way too draw heavy and just trying to desperately win the pot here? I mean, it's so thin, though, because, like, are we really playing? We're just not playing our draws that often this way, let alone raising the river, just getting to the river this way, and then also raising the river with the missed draw. And does it even work? Like, are we actually going to get called by a nine? This is a real concern. Um, For all these reasons, it feels like a call just is so much less lower maintenance. This is, like, such a fancy play. This is like Greg Luganis on the diving board. He's going to do, you know, all these twists and turns before he goes in the water perfectly. I mean, you you might say that, but these guys are pushing the edge of of tournament poker, and I think, like... You know, I, a thing I used to like to make fun of was playing live poker. People would would uh, mock people for for playing suited cards. And I'm like, that's an extra 3%. Yeah. This is a game of small margins. Like, 3% is huge, right? Yeah. Like, if this if this play makes Alexei, like, one 
fifteenth of a blind more than calling does over time, according to him. Maybe those are the types of margins he's trying to push. Oh, I have yeah. no problem with that. Yeah. If if it's pr- more profitable, I think you should do it. Yeah. Um, I'm questioning if it's actually more profitable. I think I understand where he's coming from. I think, but I'm questioning if it's if it's truly more profitable because, like you said, even if we have balance here, which is I think difficult to do, but maybe we really do. Yeah, we also need to get called enough of the time. You know, by worse hands. Yes. Not better hands. Yeah, because obviously it, <laughs> seems, it seems like Laszlo could easily have a better queen and call. Yep. That would be a concern of mine. What if Laszlo did river ace five? He's never folding. Like every time we're not every time he has a better hand, but a lot of his better hands are going to call. It might be literally every time he has a better hand. He Qu- may fold some of his queens. He might. Maybe. Only raise. He might. I, I expect he's going to fold some of them. Maybe. But... Anything better than queen is always calling. Any ace is just going to feel like it has to call, right? Well, maybe not. Once you raise the river, but any two pair hand is always calling. Yeah. That's like a guarantee. I would think aces are going to feel like they have to call a lot. They're going to hate it and call, right? Yeah. If that's true, are we really getting called by that many nines, fives, and sixes? I mean, I worry about that a lot here and wonder if it's actually profitable. I do too, but I do think it's fascinating. It is Beyond fascinating, it's really interesting that a, a, a high-level player is going to do this. I'm reminded of a story, I think I'm getting this right, that you, where you were playing uh, in a, one of the local tournaments, so much lower buy-in, all this stuff, but you were playing against one of the better players in the city. And uh, I think he bet the river, and you had like ace-queen high, and you raised for value, yes, that's and right. he called, well, and you won. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and you... That was all on purpose, right? Yeah. Like you were, you thought you were going to call. You thought he was going to bet call with just ace high, and a worse ace high than you. Yeah, and you were right. And like it's possible, Panikov has knows what's going on here to that degree, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it looks complicated from the outside, but to Greg Luganis, this is just <laughs> this is a walk in the park, and that's yeah. this is a very standard thing against this opponent. Standard's the wrong word, but um, very reasonable thing against this opponent, and of course it's profitable. You know, against that guy, you're like, of course this place profitable. It's it looks weird, but of course it's profitable. And you were right. Um, at least that one time. I don't know how many times you did it and it didn't work, if ever. But so possibly that's going on for, for Ponikov, and fair enough. But since I don't have any evidence of that, it's hard for me to give him that much credit. It's so much credit. I mean, he's been featured on the breakdown a lot over the past yep. year in hands that are pretty high level and pretty interesting in these types of tournaments. So yep. maybe he does deserve the credit. Okay. Maybe he does. It's a really fascinating play to and, raise for and value. And we here. do both think it's for value, but we could be wrong. Like, he could be thinking, like, he might know Leslo, know that he's got a lot of checks on the flop, be like, well, he's got a lot of better queens than me, and he's got to fold all those or something. But you were, you were making the case you yeah, thought he'd call with But I, I'm queens. trying to think of oh. a, diff- a way it could be a bluff. It seems hard to understand, though, why you think he'd have a lot of better queens and then. Like, if you're really just trying to fold out queens, you assume you're not folding out that many aces or any two-pair hands. Right, and you also block queens and not those things. It yeah. just seems like can't be profitable for that to, for your play to be, I'm going to bluff out a, a slightly better Yeah, hand. I think it's value, but I am afraid of saying that definitively after our oh, Sam experience. It's sad to see you so wounded. It's value. Okay. I'm calling it. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm not wounded. You you're, know? You're, you're a sad puppy. I'm humbled. Okay, you're emotionally wounded then. That's what humbled is. <laughs> that is a, that's a healthy thing to say. Okay, so here's something that can happen when you go for thin value. Yeah. You can get it jammed down your face. I love it when this happens. Laszlo moves in for 8.2 million more effective. This is a- that's an enormous move in. Is this terrible, by the way? Like, what are we doing as Laszlo? <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean just for the size of it? The size and the thought. Okay. Well, first of all, I don't. We can, let's 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 hold off on the thought for a second. Okay. That's a whole conversation. Clearly, the size is weird. I don't know if we need to make it this much. Like, it's can't so we make much. it? Can't we make it five million instead of eight point two and save that three point two? Can't we make it three and a half million? I would think so, but maybe yeah, because like three and a half million, like. Even that, like Alexi, what's Alexi calling? The thing is, maybe we think if we make it, if we go all in here, we're folding out all the two pair hands and stuff like that. I mean, we better fucking be folding out the two pair hands if we're going all in. Like, it's absolutely not worth the risk at all if we're not folding out ace-five. If we can't fold out ace-five, what the fuck are we doing? Can we fold out ace-five? I don't know. We'll never know. Yeah. I don't know either. I think we probably can fold out ace-five. When we three-bet all in, it's such a... It feels like the nuts, right? We're only doing that mostly with the nuts. So, which... By the way, it has to be a big reason that Laszlo's doing this is that he blocks 7-8. Yeah. I'm sure that's what's going on. Yeah. What else could it possibly be, right? And is Laszlo only repping the nuts here? Or could he be repping other things too? He, he can't do this with two pair, right? I don't see how he could do it with two pair. It's really hard to come up with anything besides the nuts that he would do this, that he'd take this line with, right? Because like sets, he almost always raises pre-flop. Yep. Uh, big like ace queen, I guess you could say, well, he might do with ace queen, but he had to limp with that. I guess he could have a, maybe he has a holistic limping strategy pre blind versus blind. So he actually has all the sets and all maybe. the top two and stuff, but boy, that doesn't feel But if he's mostly likely. just repping seven, eight, I mean, like, wouldn't you expect him to bet the flop with seven, eight really frequently? It's That's my problem. Eight high. But maybe he feels like this is one of those spots where I don't need to have that great a story because, like, how do you have seven eight, bro? Like, you checked back the flop, you didn't raise the turn. I have a seven. Like, it's really hard for you to have seven eight. And yeah, so that that I think that's a big piece of it. Like, there's so many pieces of evidence that says you can't really have the nuts. It's hard for me to have it too, but I know I know it's harder for you since I have a seven in my hand. And if I go all in, you can't rebluff me. So you can't rebluff me, and you might you might really fold some very strong hands. I'm really unsure about this move as to whether or not it's good. I don't know. Either. I question it quite a bit. For He's putting in 40, 41 blinds. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's to win a pot of about 3.1 million. He's, he's risking... It says 8.2 million, but really because Ponikov has less. Ponikov is no, no. I said it's a, it says effective. Oh, it's effective. Oh, geez. It's Ponikov's stack, so 8.2 okay. more. So he's like... 2xing the pot. He's more than 2xing the pot. Yeah. Jeez, there's just no the reason actual, to do the that. The actual bet is 9.5 million. It's okay. 8.2 more than the 1.387. Okay. Um, well, huh. <laughs> it seems like a fucking lot, man. Yeah, that seems, it doesn't seem like necessary. I'm not in love with this play. He's clearly trying to blow, like you said, he's trying to blow him off all two pair combos. Yeah. Effectively. Like you have ace five, you just have to fold, right? Yeah, I guess that's got to be what it it's is. It's got to be. And he's, then he's got the blocker, so he's like, you know, you didn't bet the flop, plus me having the blocker, so you probably don't have 7-8. Also, you're going to raise the turn sometimes yep. with the nuts. So, I, And if you can fold two pair, then what else is left for you? Because you don't have many sets based on pre-flop. And, and maybe we have 7-8 sometimes because we're, we're going to check-raise the flop sometimes. Yeah. We're probably going to check-call sometimes, but we're going to check-raise the flop sometimes with 7-8. So like, maybe we have it a little more often because of that, too. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. Like, obviously, you can check back seven, eight sometimes on the on the flop, and sometimes call on the turn with it. Well, if that's the case, we're gonna we're gonna give them all the chips. I this guess. feels like a play that like every fiber of me wants to hate this play, but I feel like I could be convinced to like it. 
Well, okay. I just don't know if I am. I think we should be able to at least agree that we don't need to go all in. We can make it six million in half. You know, we can bet one and a half times the pot. It's the same thing as it two could times be the pot. A balance thing. If these guys are playing an iterated game mm. against each other, and these twenty five k's don't have that many players, yeah. so if they're often playing against each other in these things, it could be a thing where he just has to because yeah, because yeah. he's always because when he has the nuts, he's always going all in. Here. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I don't know if it's a good idea to be going all in with the nuts, but that's a separate conversation for another time. Let's not worry about that. Okay. I mean, it's, it's going to work a lot. That is true. It's going to work a lot. Is it going to work enough? Okay, if the pot's got like a little 3.1 million in it, we're risking 8.2 to win 3.1, meaning it's got to work like 75% of the time. It's definitely going to work 75% of the time. Yeah. Okay, so from a straight-up EV point of view... This play is probably This is also profitable. probably a good time of the tournament to take some shots with the current payout being 90K. I'm going to guess the, the jump from 6th to 5th and 5th to 4th aren't that big yeah. until the first of 525. So if we're going to make plays like this, this is probably the time to do it. I guess. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And boy, by the way, when this happens, Ponikov is like... Oops. Yeah, like I could have just called and lost. You, you assume you're losing. Yeah, right? I could have just. Although, actually, you know, it's polarized. So you're like, either I'm losing and I could have called and lost a little bit, or I could have called and fucking won and we'll never know. And either way, it sucks. And, and Ponikov, of course, has to fold because he has, like, for sure the worst hand he ever raises for value. Oh, my right? God. Yeah. I mean, and as we were saying, like, what's he calling with anyway? I mean, he can't just call with. Maybe he calls with, like, um, Ace 7 and Ace 8 and things that actually have 7s and 8s in his hand oh, sometimes. Maybe. Instead of Ace 5. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. That probably makes sense. It does. Um, the thing is, is he raving, raising a seven and a seven? Yeah, I guess he is. He's he raising is, a queen. Yeah. He's raising a queen, so he's definitely raising an a seven. Okay, so there you go. So that's what that's what he's doing it with, and maybe some other things too, like ace nine. If he can ever have it, if he can ever actually have ace nine, hard to hard to imagine. I know, really hard, hard to believe. He checks pre flop and checks the flop with ace nine. Here we are. Here we are. So he's, we don't know. We just don't know. We just know he has queen three and he had to fold and this move worked for Laszlo, but it really feels just like like a, a suicide mission. Like, go into the building and save 100 children in five seconds while the building's collapsing. Okay, like, well, maybe part of it plays into also that Laszlo knows that Ponikov is, is either goes for a lot more value here than most. Mm-hmm. Like, this value raise is a normal part of Ponikov's arsenal where he's going to he's going to raise and be weaker than most people he's got he's you know that's one of the things that makes him really good right maybe he's like oh yeah like i'm not just winning with all my super strong hands i'm winning with all these other hands too might as well raise them too it's basically a free roll yeah and like it's worked for him for his whole life to do that until he finally runs into laszlo who's like uh uh uh, you didn't say the magic word yeah you know and uh, and just blows him away and like and this has been one of the plans is like i'm looking for a spot to do this to this guy because this guy raises too often on the river for value. Man, this is a flashy fucking river. This is really spectacular. And it's possible this is just like beyond a leap from both players. Yes, it is. It is. Really cool. Yeah. Um, ultimately, neither of them end up getting top 2D of the tournament results. I just know that I, Justin Bonomo gets second and some guy I never heard of who's not these guys gets first. I mean, I had the tournament results. Actually, I'm going to have them again shortly if we actually care enough. No, I'm not. Okay. We don't care enough. Great. Who they, don't, they don't win. They don't win. Neither does Jason Kuhn. So, you know, that's life. Yeah. Bonomo finished the second. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it.